0: third win against the top ten and the orange had them all the way
1: they didn't look into your
0: heart they didn't look into your heart they didn't look into my heart a three for the win battle Bang! Bang! boom as the orange do it again the cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time this is orange nation with stephen fonti and
1: seth goldberg
0: Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by Duntire. Phone lines open for this entire first hour at 315-437-7644. We do have a couple of guests lined up for you in hour number two. The Hall of Famer Floyd Little joins us at 1 o'clock as he does every Monday. And then Adrian Autry set to check in at 145. We'll have Coach Autry joining us every Monday late in the show throughout the basketball season as well. We certainly have SU Basketball to talk about today. The Orange winning uh, the regular season opener on Friday over Cornell getting set for uh, Iona tomorrow night inside the Carrier Dome. We can talk some SU basketball today. We'll get into more SU basketball tomorrow. Uh, We'll get into uh, NFL here and there as as well. Uh, Just an atrocious performance by both our Giants and Bills, uh, Seth, so we can commiserate together on the NFL uh, in the next couple of days. But we begin with SU football. and, And listen, we're... Almost 48 hours removed from whatever that was inside the Dome on Saturday. I'm still trying to figure out what exactly I saw.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it was just an absolute complete meltdown, wasn't it? It was, it was terrible. It was just a, an epic uh, second-half meltdown and collapse. Look, they led by 17 points at some point in the first half. They led by 14. Here's the bigger stat to me. They led by 14 points with nine minutes to go in the third quarter. And then they were outscored 37-2 to the rest of the way. That can't happen. That can't happen defensively. That can't happen offensively. That can't happen.
0: I can't argue with you. Um, You and I were talking before the show started, and... You know, Max was in here for his update, and he brought up. He said, "You know that that loss was on the defense." And you said, "Not entirely." And I, and I don't I, think it was hang entirely. On, hang on, we'll I know where that. I know where you're coming from. And well, let's get to it right now. And I know where you're coming from. I mean, the offense did not play well in the second half. My response to that would be, "You put up 38 points in the first half. You're up 17. You should win that game, regardless of what the offense oh, sure. does." And this defense had shown so many signs of improvement over the course of the first nine games of this season, that you would think... I mean, we had Adam Terry on the the pregame show on the quad on Saturday. He said, I think Syracuse can hold Wake Forest to 20 or less. Yeah. And, you know, at, at one point of this game, it's, you know, 38-17. You, you figure... You should win that. Syracuse is going to win. And, oh, by the way, at that point, they had stopped them five consecutive drives. Right. Either a punt or a turnover on Wake's part. Five consecutive drives. So you're leading up to halftime... You would just stop them five times in a row after Wake got off to that fast start. You've got 38 points. You're sitting pretty. You're thinking, well, the defense the defense is in good shape. The Syracuse is going to win this game. And then I really think the turning point was that drive right before the half. Oh, where Wake yeah. Forest gets the ball back with 16 seconds left and, and, they get a field and somehow goes down and, and kicks a field goal. To me, that was where the pendulum started to swing and then Wade gets the ball to start the second half and goes down and kicks another field goal. Now, all of a sudden, it shouldn't have been a game and it felt like a game. And, yeah, and, and then the offense stumbled the rest and of the here's, way. And here's
2: my point. Look, the defense wasn't getting the job done, right? The, the defense was playing terribly. They were. like, I'm not going to deny that. They were awful. They, they This game, I would put a lot of it on the defense. I'm not trying to take anything away from what the defense uh, did not do. But as the tide was starting to shift, it, it felt like you needed a, a, a score, like you needed or, or some kind of a sustained drive in the second half. And, and the Syracuse offense didn't do that. Like forget scoring, right? They got one field goal in the second half, and it was on their first drive. So forget scoring. They didn't. They didn't like sustain a drive. You know, six plays, eight plays, uh, six plays, four plays. Uh, a four, a four play four and out that took 37 seconds you know a seven play drive in, in a minute four uh, you know a six uh, a six play drive in a minute and a half. Uh, they didn't hold the ball for more than two and a half minutes in, in the second half and I, I know that that's you know throwing a lot on them, but if you're putting your defense out there every two and a half minutes of game time, what do you expect? Right? like At some point, they're going to be gassed. At some point, they're going to be tired, and they're not going to be able to do too much to combat John Walford running around the edge. And I know that the defense should have done more, but the offense should have done more, too. At no point in that second half did I think 40 points was going to be enough to win that game. You know, at no point yeah. in the first quarter did I think 43 points was going to be enough to win that game. So I understand where you're coming from when you say, hey, you got 38. That should be good enough. It should on any kind of normal day. That should be good enough to win a game. But I didn't feel that way in that game. And once you get into this weird kind of shootout game in the first quarter, by the end of the first half, you got to kind of recalibrate. Like You, you kind of have to recalibrate your expectations and say, you know what? That's not going to be enough. We need to do better. We can't have our quarterback complete 44% of his passes and throw two interceptions in the second half. Like We've got
0: to be better than that. It was a weird game, and I I will grant you that. Uh, but we said going in, we said, "Listen, if Eric Dungy doesn't play, the defense is going to have to stand, uh, step oh, and up, and and, and and make plays." And if you were going to tell me beforehand, and you know, we gave our predictions, and I said, "I think SU gets to thirty, and I think SU wins this game. I think Zach Mahoney can move the ball. I think they can score points." They did that, and then some. You would sign up for forty three in a heartbeat from Zach. Mah- Your backup quarterback Absolutely. goes in. I mean the the. You know, With Eric Dungie out there, we hadn't seen 43 uh, in, in a while from this offense. So you felt like if they went out there and they did that, like if you told me beforehand Zach Mahoney's going to get you 38 in the first half, it's a no-brainer. They're going to win this game. And that's why I put it on the defense. And and you asked me before we went on the air, you said, did, did you think at any point 38 points was going to hold up? And I'll be honest with you, when I know Wake got off to the fast start, but Syracuse stopped them five times in a row, and I'm thinking, yeah, maybe 38 will be enough. Now, you didn't expect Syracuse to basically go scoreless in the second half. They kicked that early field goal and got the the two points on the block PAT. I was not expecting that, but did I think it was possible 38 would hold up or 42 would hold up? Potentially. And, I never and just, really
2: got... I- Oddly enough, I never really got that feeling. Uh, you know, I I just thought, you know what? Okay, the, the defense is playing well, but there. But that if offense, you didn't get that feeling, that offense not was there. The, that's
0: not the offense's no, fault. If you didn't no, get that feeling, that's not. not the offense's fault. No, that is on not. the defense. Sure, and and, so, and
2: it's also my thoughts on the Wake offense because I was like, you know what? We saw them score twenty-one and a quarter. You know, like like that offense is there. That offense is somewhere. Uh, you know, it, it's on the defense. It absolutely is on the defense. Uh, but you got to keep scoring. Like, you know, and and worst comes to worse, you score sixty five points and you win 24. You know, like worse comes to worse. You just blow them out. Like you you gotta keep scoring points. You gotta you gotta keep moving the ball offensively. They didn't get yardage in the second half.
0: Yeah, the offense did not play well in the second their half. Longest, just, their
2: longest I... their longest drive in the second half, Steve. They they kicked the field goal. That was a forty-six yard drive, right? That went three minutes and twenty seconds. Their longest drive was was a 48-yard drive at the end of the half that ended with the interception.
0: Like, that? Like they didn't move the ball. I'd like to go back to that, that eight-play drive that crossed over from the end of the third quarter into early fourth quarter when Syracuse was still winning this game 43-40. And they did put together a drive and got inside Wake territory. And... You know, I mean, what? They were at the 33 yard line, I believe. And then they had, so they had first and 10 from the 33. And you know where I'm going with this. Uh, Mahoney took three shots to the end zone. The first was down the far sideline to Devin C. Butler, uh, incomplete. Then he went to Ishmael twice along the near sideline. There was some contact on both plays, but no call. And they first and 10 from the 33, three straight shots to the end zone. It was dumb. They end up going with Cole Murphy on a 51 yard field goal. He misses it. And again, momentum. From that point on was was all Wake Force. Wake Forest takes the lead and then you felt like it was really the first time all day that you felt like they're, it was gonna, over. they're gonna lose yeah. this game. Yeah. And you know, you, you could circle back to the idea of of taking three cracks at the end zone and again hindsight's 20, 20 and if Ishmael makes one of those catches and they go up by ten, maybe they win the game and we're saying, Oh, that was a great call going for the kill there. Um but in retrospect, especially with, with Cole Murphy who struggled the last two weeks. Uh, that was a risk that, that came back to th- bite you.
2: I don't even think in hindsight. Like I, I think in the moment that felt like a, a weird decision. That felt like a weird uh, kind of thing to go do. You weren't playing with your starting quarterback. You were playing with your backup who, oh, by the way, all afternoon had been kind of erratic. Sure, the passes were <laughs> falling complete, right? The, the passes were finding hands in the first half. They were They were finding the open man. But it's not like he was on. Right, like he was throwing passes high. He was leaving yards out there. You know, it was getting irv killed over the middle. Uh, you know, so so yeah, it, they completed passes and Zach Mahoney was great in the first half, but but he was off in the second half. He was off, and they weren't finding the receivers' hands. And then you say, "Hey, go throw deep three times." Well, like that just didn't make any sense I, to I, me.
0: I will say this: I say hindsight because the the passes all fell incomplete, and then you go for a field goal and you miss the field goal. You could make the case for, and this is probably what Dino Babers and, and his coaches were thinking, all right, Zach Mahoney has not been accurate, especially here in the second half. Uh we're this is a three point game. We need a touchdown here. We're going to take single coverage. We're going to throw it to our NFL receiver two times and see if he can make a play in the end zone. Now, again, it, it did not work, and maybe you do that on first and second down, and then when it comes to be third down, maybe you try to pick up the first down. I, I know we can debate it, and it, it seemed yeah. odd at the time, but I, I, I got to think that was their their thinking, right? Is Let's throw it up to our, our NFL wide receiver and see if he can make a play because we need to score a touchdown, and our quarterback, our backup quarterback who's in this game right now, he's, he's a little bit off, so let's try to help him out. I think that's what maybe. they were...
2: Yeah, I, I mean, maybe. I think that yeah. was the attitude. I, I guess. I, I mean, look, we we saw a but game it is where... is head-scratching, no doubt yeah, about it. Yeah, it, it was head-scratching. It was questionable. Um, we, we saw a game where Zach Mahoney threw for 300-something yards and three touchdowns and got benched. Right? I, I mean, he got benched at the end of the game. Um, I, I think that, more than anything, kind of sums up what kind of a weird, wacky game that was. Uh, like, yeah, again... You know, going back to just kind of the the main overarching point of this whole thing, like yeah, forty three points should be enough to win. Uh, it it wasn't enough to win that game. Uh, you know, the the way that game started, I, I don't know that you could have felt like that was enough to win that game uh, and, and say, oh, Zach Mahoney was fine and the offense was fine. He was
0: fine, Seth. Okay. He was. He, he threw for almost four hundred yards. But he, look, was, look, he was. He was better again, than fine. He he
2: was. I guess he was fine. But look. You ha- I think, in my mind, you've got to readjust your expectations and your goalposts for the whole offensive and for what he did. Given that you throw for 300 yards and score 30-something points in the first half, you then have to readjust and recalibrate and, and go for it in the second half. Just Look, we-, we didn't say Eric Dungy was, you know, fine after he puts up the good second half when he doesn't do anything in the first. It's disappointing. Eric- Zach Mahoney didn't do anything in the second half after he did something in the first. It- it's it's an all-right game. It- it- you know, it's it's... there's something that leaves you wanting more. It leaves more to be desired. And that doesn't excuse the fact that the defense gave up 64. That doesn't excuse the fact that the defense allowed 24 points in the fourth quarter and that the defense couldn't stop a play that everybody in the damn building knew was coming. Like, that doesn't excuse any of that.
0: I just—I think we're spending too much time talking about Zach Mahoney. It's your backup quarterback. You talk about you have to recalibrate expectations— he gave you almost 400 passing yards, and he they put up 43 points. The defense allowed 734 yards. Yeah, and the I defense mean, was terrible. The, the defense, defense had to be terrible. better. This game, plain and simple. And I understand Zach Mahoney wasn't perfect, but you can't expect him to be perfect. He's your backup quarterback for a reason. He's one in six now, one in seven in career starts for a reason. Some of it has to do with the opponents he's played, but he's been serviceable. Definitely, he was more than serviceable on Saturday. He led you to 38 first-half points. This is, to me, I understand where you're coming from, Seth, but to me, this is entirely, entirely on the defense. You give up 734 yards, 60-plus points, the most points they've ever allowed in the Dome? You're not winning that that game. That is is entirely on the defense. Yeah, the
2: defense had to be a lot better. The defense should know that John Walford's going to keep the ball every single opportunity he gets. Right, like The defense should realize and that. It, the defense should cover a tight end. The defense shouldn't have uh, Paris Bennett chasing down Cam Serene. I think he's still looking for him in the middle of the carrier dome. If like, you expected, that, that shouldn't happen.
0: If you expected Zach Mahoney to repeat the first half in the second half, then the expectations were too high. And again, I, know I, I that expect he struggled. my
2: quarterback to not complete 40% of his passes and two picks in the second half. I,
0: I, I know that he struggled in the second half. I guess all I'm saying is... You, you would sign up for that again. If you play that game again, you would sign up for exactly what Zach Mahoney did. Your defense has to be able to keep yes, the opponent below, do. I don't know, 500 they yards? Do. Is that too much to ask? No, below 40 points? To. Is that
2: too much to ask? But aren't we going to see this again? Like, aren't we going to see this again this week? Like, what makes you sit back and believe that this defense will be any better at going up against a better quarterback who does the same thing, that who, who wants to do the same thing that John Walford did last week, right? Like, it's hey, terrifying Lamar Jackson wants to do the, yeah, no the I same know. exact
0: thing. I, I did not see this coming at all. We had no warning of this. It, it's funny because Julian Wiggum on the TV version of Orange Nation last week said... That he was seeing some bad habits since the Clemson game on the defensive side of the ball. And he said, you know, I know the stats seem to indicate that this defense has gotten a lot better. And, and he acknowledged that it, that it has gotten a lot better. But he said he was starting to see some indications that they were reverting back a little bit. And boy, did they revert back to last year's defense uh, in a big way on Saturday. And you said, you know, what? what's to say we're not going to see it again? That's why Louisville is a two-touchdown favorite. Because... What's to say we're not going to see it again? Right. And, this, and they're very similar quarterbacks. We know what Lamar Jackson... you know, Lamar Jackson is better than John Wolford. I think we would all agree on that. But they want
2: to do the same thing.
0: They do want to do the same thing. And it's it's a concern. And it's a game, obviously, now that SU needs to win. A month ago, we were talking about, well, SU's definitely going to a bowl game now. Now it's a long shot. And, and we'll get into that. we got to take our first time out. 4 76-44. What do we make of what happened Inside the Dome on Saturday, who do you place the blame on? What does this mean for this team and this program now moving forward over these uh, these next two games as Syracuse tries to get to a bowl game? We're back after this on Orange Nation. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Steven Seth back with you on a Monday edition of Orange Nation, 315-437-7644. The Hall of Famer Floyd Little set to join us here in about 20 minutes from now. Adrian Autry will be on the program at 145 as we talk some Cuse basketball. Uh, Jim Boeheim's bunch back in action tomorrow night inside the Dome against Iona. But we continue the, the football conversation. Dino Babers just wrapped up his weekly press conference a a short time ago and uh, and discussed the the momentum that Syracuse had following that win over Clemson and obviously where we are now. It's exactly one month ago Syracuse won that game uh, over the Tigers, upset uh, the defending national champs. Syracuse has not won since. Here's Dino Babers. You know, so much of sports is treating each week as an individual week. The Clemson week was a high week, and the weeks after that have not been so high. I think even when everyone's talking about which bowl game we were going to go to when I tried to say you need to take them one at a time now here we are in November and we better take them one at a time. So I think the momentum is created every single week and we need to create our own momentum for Louisville. you think this team's had uh, any sort of hangover following that Clemson win or is it just do hangovers last a month? I don't know and so I'm, I'm asking you I mean we saw this
2: last week last year too they beat a top 25 team, they went to 4 and 4 and then they lost every other game they played. You know, this year they beat a top 25 team, they go 4 and 3, they've lost ever since. Um, well, they did win. I don't they know. did win the following sorry, week. they last won the next year. week. Right, they, yeah, they beat sorry, they sorry. beat sorry. BC the following week. My, my bad there. Uh but you know, the the point remains, yes. you beat you beat a good team, you don't finish strong. L- last year's BC team was not good. Uh so I I guess that might have been why I forgot. And I guess you kind of uh, have the yeah. same
0: reasoning in that you know last year you you went zero and four in November in large part due to the fact that Eric Dungey was not out there. And now here we are another November and we're talking about Eric Dungey's status and he, he missed a game, right? Uh, and so you I guess you kind of sort of have the same excuse. And and Miami's really good. And and last year they played you know Florida State and Clemson. Both those teams were really good. Um, so I don't think it's a hangover either. They played well against Miami. I mean, they put themselves in yeah. position. And and we they I played think we well saw over the weekend. They played
2: well to, they played well in the Florida State game. I think we saw They could have won that game.
0: I think we saw over the weekend how good Miami is. Um Yeah, Miami's really good. So I don't think we could say it's been a hangover, but they have missed some opportunities that they should have capitalized on. Namely the Florida State game was one that they they, they should have won. They they should have been able to beat Florida State. As, as we talked about, um, they should have been able to Absolutely. win this game. You put up thirty-eight yeah. points in the first half. You should be able to win that yeah. game. And, and so, I guess it begs the question, Seth. I mean, if if Syracuse goes one and one down the stretch, or zero and two for that matter, and doesn't make a bowl game, and, and we've been debating this on and off throughout the whole season, does it then become a disappointing season? Even if it's say, let's say for the sake of argument, it's five wins. Let's say it's five and seven. A, a, you you won one more game than a year ago. You beat Clemson. If they but go you don't five, make it to a bowl game.
2: If they go five and seven, how long and how often will we say Middle Tennessee? Man, that Middle Tennessee. We said State it game. at the time. We said it's going to come back and, to bite them. And it, if they go five and seven, you will look at that game and you will kick yourself. You will look at the Florida State game and the LSU game and the and the uh, the Miami game and this one this past weekend. There are so many that you'll look at and say, man. How did Syracuse lose that game? How did they not win? Uh, They had so many opportunities to win games this year. I'm not even going to count the NC State game. Like, sure they could have won that game, but there are so many more. Like the fact that a nine point loss on the road, where your offense did nothing in the first half, is like sixth on your on your could have won games. Like, there's not a loss this year that you're like, oh, they they, you know. They could. They were totally out of that, right? They they could have beaten LSU, uh, Middle Tennessee State, Florida State, Miami. Uh, they, every one of them. And so I think that when you look at this season, if they finish with five wins, you'll be disappointed. Uh, but grand scheme of things, they took a step forward from last year. Like this team is better than last year's team, right? Yes, not even close. So yeah, you might finish with four wins. You might finish with five, but you got to win over the. The biggest of big dogs on your uh, ever on your schedule, right? Like that is the biggest of big dogs that you could have put on your schedule, and you got to win over them. And your team is better. And I know that we said in year two we want tangible proof, we want wins. Um, and I still would like win improvement. I would still like to see this team win more than they did last year. But I do know that if, at the very least, this team is better than last year.
0: We took calls before the season started asking for expectations and what do you want to see and what would define a successful season. And call after call after call said, just want to see improvement. Just want to see this team get better. And so from from that regard, uh, there's no doubt that this team has gotten better. However, while you haven't recalibrated your expectations throughout the season – I think a lot of fans have, and well, especially I, well, after I, that Clemson I, I, I game, did now. well, you did now, you had to now. Uh, but I think a lot of people did recalibrate expectations, especially after that Clemson game, and it went from all we care about is improvement to okay, we've seen improvement. Uh, give us a bowl game now, and it seemed like there was a really good chance of a bowl game yeah. a month ago, and now, well, yeah, the way. Now. and there should be when you're four and it's a long shot now,
2: and there should be when you're four and three, by the way, right? Like, like you should if you're if you're a fan, you should feel like there's a good chance of going to a bowl game. Um, and, and I think that I, I don't mean to to wave the loss Saturday as a as a hey look at look at you know my 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 consistency and, and this is not what I'm doing. Uh, but you know th- there's a reason why I just said hey, stay the course and see what happens. You know, it's one game. You don't, and I think Dino Babers essentially said something to the point of the, to the extent of it. You know, don't get too high, don't get too low. You know, you you don't want to. Kind of irrationally jump all over things. They beat Clemson. That was an awesome win. It's a potential program changing win. But see what they do the rest of the season. You know, and it was the same. My thought process of saying, "Hey, don't jump out and 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 jolt to the top" is the same as as all the Dino Babers is going to lose, leave stuff, right? Like, awesome. It's one win. Like, let's see what else happens. And if when push comes to shove, it's pay the man or he's leaving, you pay him. But let's see what happens when the time comes. And you know what? Tennessee is now open, and Florida is now open. And uh, you know, I bet, and uh, Ole Miss is open because they've got an interim all year. And I would imagine that there's going to be a Texas A&M or another job in the SEC coming open. And look, if Dino is courted, and he very well still could be, you do what you have to
0: do to keep him. You but, mentioned uh, Butch Jones out at, at Tennessee, and uh, we should point out MSN.com uh, put out a, a story today, and, and Dino's name at least is mentioned, And for what it's worth. And and you're right, there are other jobs open around the country that, again, Dino will be connected with. Um, would he go anywhere at this point? I don't know. I don't know either.
2: But again, I, I my my philosophy remains the same. If When push comes to shove, you pay him. But let's have that happen first.
0: 315-437-7644. The Hall of Famer Floyd Little set to join us in a little over 10 minutes from now. We wrap up hour number one right after this on ESPN Radio. Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. Stephen Seth back with you on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. Adrian Autry on the way about 25 minutes from now. We will talk some SU basketball, I promise. Uh, but first, let's get to... Today's business brought to you every day by Grossman St. Amore CPAs. And for that, we bring in our producer, Max. What do you have for us today, Max?
1: First of all, Steve. Yeah. I owe you an apology. You were right. About Tyrod? About Tyrod. Okay, thank you. I was wrong. Should Very... Nate
2: Peterman start next week?
1: No. No. What? No. Uh, I was wrong. You were right. Okay. Uh, my apologies. Way to
0: be proactive with that because I was going to bring I, it up. I, so I, I could
1: I, feel it coming
2: and I, I just wanted to get out ahead of it. I tweeted at him to make fun of him for it yesterday. Yeah.
1: Uh, Not a great showing by your Buffalo Bills yesterday, to say the least. That is an understatement. That's putting it nicely. Um, Which brings me to my question. Obviously, my allegiance lies with the Eagles. I don't think they're the best team in the NFC, though. I do think that the Saints are the best team right now in the NFC. I think the Rams are up there as well in the conversation. Yeah. Obviously, the Eagles in top three. I can't really put them in any order. I was hoping you guys might be able to help me out a little bit. I think the Saints, though, with the way that their defense has come together in this winning streak and how they've just been shutting opponents down, not to mention the two the tandem running backs that they have with Alvin Kamara and... um why am I blanking on his name? Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram, right. It's like the thunder and lightning, and they both they rushed for 300 yards yesterday, both of the guys having over 100 yards. Not to mention, you have an all-pro receiver in Michael Thomas and a Hall of Fame quarterback, Drew Brees. I think that is clear-cut the best team in the NFC. Interesting
0: forward. that you point to the defense, and, and you're right, the defense is much improved. The thing that, that stood out to me watching them play yesterday and, and just – Casually watching them throughout the season, but watching from start to finish yesterday, this running game, I mean, the, the Saints are not known for having a running game, and they do. I mean, that you're right.
1: It's I mean, a legitimate the, two running backs. It that is. is.
0: And and you're right. You've got Camaro comes out of the backfield, catches passes. you got Ingram, who just runs over people. Um, that is impressive. Their defense has gotten better. We know about Drew Brees and, and everything he can do. And And the knock against the Saints for years has been, well, they're great at home but they can't win when you go outside or in the elements i mean that was not a a great situation yesterday it was cold it was dreary and they just took it to the bills and and so that that thing about they're not good on the road i don't think you can say that anymore i mean this team can win home or away they can beat you through the air they can beat you on the ground they have a good defense they are a complete team
2: yeah and they've now won seven in a row uh and that running game when's the last time the saints have had a running game like that like deuce McAllister. Yeah. Reggie, was, Bush, Deuce, Reggie Bush's rookie year when the they had the two of them and they almost went to the Super Bowl, That was right? the
1: last time that they had two 100-yard rushes in the same game. It was yeah. Deuce McAllister and Reggie Bush. Yeah,
2: I mean, they, they, it's incredible, and, and that was a decade ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's incredible to see what they did yesterday. Um, they look really good. I would still give—the I, I, Eagles didn't play this week, so the Eagles are going to be at the back of everybody's minds. I would still— Throw the Eagles up top because I think they're really good, and I think the Jay Ajayi edition is going to really, really help them. Look at what he did when he had two days to to you know get ready for that game. He got a bye week. They'll be ready to go Sunday night. They've got a big game. I mean, I mean, they play the the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football this week. So, uh, yeah, I I would still probably lean towards the Eagles. Um, But yeah, the Saints and the Rams are right there on their heels, and the. The AFC is gonna be searching for a sixth playoff team. The NFC is gonna be really, really good.
1: Yeah. And moving forward, I mean, you got the Vikings also seven and two, have arguably one of the best wide receiver tandems in the league and Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, both of which I believe had over a hundred yards yesterday. Their defense also very strong. I mean, they just get Teddy Bridgewater back, but who honestly needs him when Case Keenum's throwing four touchdowns and nearly three hundred yards every game. Um Going down the list, the Seahawks at six and three. <laughs> I'm sorry. Who? I mean, when you have Case he's, Keenum, come I mean, it's it was just funny that you said it's that. It's funny I'm to say, but
0: like, Steve it's... hasn't
2: said anything to me yet because last week I was like, I don't buy the Vikings because I like I don't like Case Keenum. And then he goes and out he and he throws goes, four touchdowns, yeah. and, then, and so I'm surprised you haven't said anything about that yet. But, it's but, hilarious. hilarious. You know but hold on. But hold on. But Teddy Bridgewater's still the quarterback there, so like I think as soon as he gets healthy and and up to speed, he's going to start right like. He's going to take over that team in three weeks, isn't he?
0: I saw Max's power rankings for quarterbacks in the NFL. He has replaced Tyrod, seventh on the list. He's <laughs> yeah. now Case Keenum. Case Keenum, okay. Case Keenum's seventh and rising on Max's list. Rising fast. He's right behind Drew Brees he and is. Carson Wentz.
1: He is. No,
0: it's just funny that you said no. that. Continue.
1: It's funny to say, though. It is funny. Well, you said it with a straight face. Well, who
0: needs him? You got Case Keenum. Honestly, yeah. though, like if, no. if Keenum I'd keeps putting have up have these numbers,
1: obviously you would, but you don't want to risk anything with bringing him back too early. My point being, why rush him back when Case Keenum's playing? Surprisingly, as well as he is, and not to mention you pair him with the defense, you don't you don't have to put up that many points every right. week with that kind of defense.
0: Carry on. I I don't disagree with what you said. Yeah. I just it was it's funny. It's funny no, it's also it. Adam Adam Thielen turns out to be
2: this guy from a D three nothing college Who's who turns amazing. out to be insanely yeah. good. So
1: um, the Seahawks, go. I think they're gonna fall off. Coming up, it's all on Russell Wilson's shoulders. They have a, bun- a banged-up defense. No Richard Sherman. Earl Thomas questionable every week. Michael Bennett questionable every week. It's basically going to be how much can Russell Wilson do against teams going forward.
2: Random question about the Seahawks. I don't know if either of you guys have noticed this, but I saw it on, on Thursday night. Do their defensive linemen wear pads? Like Michael Bennett, I know, doesn't really like do shoulder pads, but then I saw Sheldon Richardson was like wearing the same thing. And yeah. so I'm really, I'm really confused because when Sheldon Richardson was with the Jets, he had like the big defensive lineman pads on, and now he's with the Seahawks and he's wearing like nothing. So is this like he got there and Michael Bennett was like, dude, you got to get rid of the pads. You'll go faster.
1: Yeah. You'll now get they're... more
2: sacks. You'll make more money. Like I, I don't get this.
1: Yeah, but now they're all hurt. So that is true. That's true.
2: Except for Sheldon Richardson and <laughs> D De- and Dion Jordan.
1: Right. And that's all you get in their defense moving forward. I can see them falling off. Same thing with Carolina. I mean, their defense is great. Cam Newton doesn't have to be great for this team to win football games. He has to be good. Consistently good, not occasionally great. In the words of Dino Babers, that's all Cam Newton has to do. But really, I think it comes down to the Rams, Eagles, and Saints. And I think the Saints are the best of that three. I don't know how you guys feel about it. Rams offense is scary. Saints have a complete team. Eagles, good. I'm not... I'm sold on them but not 100% I'm like 99% sold on them they haven't really beaten anyone impressive the eagles get the nod until further notice I I'm skeptical and Saints I don't want to jinx Rams them right cuz I jinxed your bills and I feel bad about it and I feel terrible that was I all my fault I don't now feel I bad know, about that <laughs> Now I know why you didn't want to say anything going into last week and I'm sorry But
0: It's okay It's not over yet if the playoffs started today, they're right there. Yeah,
1: they're in the wild card. Uh, But
0: there's a lot of football left to be played, and their schedule it gets more difficult, but I don't want to talk about that right now. So. All right,
1: so do you want to talk about Jerry Jones and how hilarious this situation is turning? Did you know owners can vote to take a team away? Yeah. I didn't know this. So, Steve, are you up to up yes. to speed on this? Yes. I had in no case idea our listeners aren't, uh, Jerry Jones speaking out against the commissioner and his extension, threatening to sue the league if it's approved, and since then, everything has blown up in his face. Some league owners have spoken out in support of Goodell. There's rumors that the owners and the commissioner can band together to strip Jones and his ownership of the Cowboys through a bylaw, the bylaw basically stating that if any owner proves to be detrimental to the league's financial success, they have a vote that they can uh, vote him out and uh, take away his ownership of the Cowboys. How did they not do this to Al Davis, by the way? I don't know, but this all just steps from Jerry Jones throwing a temper tantrum over the Ezekiel Elliott thing and... Blowing up in his face now. So, what is the move if you're Jerry Jones and this? I drop the lawsuit and keep my team. What if you What if it's too late? Because Goodell's the final arbiter in this situation, and I think Goodell.
0: This sounds like you're going to sue me. I'll sue you. And right. what what generally happens in these situations is you know a a settlement is reached behind closed doors. I I think that this will go away.
2: Yeah. Or or if it doesn't. I sell my team before I lose all leverage, and I collect my $4 billion for selling the Cowboys. Yeah, well,
1: Jerry would just sell it to Papa John, and Jerry would work behind the the scenes and still be the owner of the Cowboys. And that's the other hilarious side, is that he was so hurt over Zeke and the anthem protest that he reached out to Papa John and forced him to issue a statement on the league, blaming them for the decline in their sales. Not the quality of the pizza, well, because you, the know the, you know who
2: the largest franchiser of Papa John's is, right?
1: Like, yeah. It's Jerry, it's Jerry Jones. Jones yeah. yeah. And Jerry so. Jones also wanted to <laughs> attempt a coup of the league and put one of his own guys in charge if Goodell would have been voted out.
2: I'd be all right with owners taking his team away.
1: This entire situation has been hilarious from the jump. I cannot wait to see how it plays out. I don't think that Jerry Jones... This is the guy going all in on pocket force. Yeah. It really is. He's got nothing else. He's just upset. And honestly, I'm not surprised, but the hilarity ensues with the Jerry Jones show. Moving on.
0: My guess is that the the lawsuit goes away. Um, And and now, Max, uh, you need to go away because we're out of time. I'll take that. Okay. All right. That was today's business brought to you by Grossman St. Amore CPAs. Located in downtown Syracuse, Grossman St. Amore CPAs provides businesses and individuals with tax planning and tax preparation services and strategies to help minimize your tax liabilities. Learn more about how Grossman St. Amore CPAs can optimize financial opportunities for your business online at gsacpas.com. We talk SU basketball next. Keep it here. Orange Nation rolls out right after this.